This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. Like, just drinking it raw or no, what? No, no. You, you pour it over, like, ice cream. Oh. Uh, Megan Fox. <laughs> and welcome to the spoiler room. We've been away for a while. We are alive. <laughs> tonight, we are having a good laugh along with our scares for our 31 days of October. Hope everyone is watching your horror films. And tonight in the spoiler room crew, we're going to be talking about our favorite horror comedies. And the crew in the room tonight, well, we're going to start right off with crew regular himself, Mr. Cole Meredith, hello, Cole. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going well. Glad you could join us, as always. And the diva has returned to the spoiler room, the diva of the spoiler room herself, Miss Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hello. And how are you tonight? I am pretty good. Awesome. Good to hear. And next to Dawn is the one, the only man himself. No introduction needed, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. The BFD, Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Bow down and worship me. I, I am bowing down uh, to worship you. Uh, don't hit me in the face. Anyway, then we have next to him, last but not least, Mr. Paul Salzar, bow tie himself. Hello, sir. How are Hello. you? Hello. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, glad you could make it here tonight to talk about horror comedies, a genre that I think sometimes gets overlooked. And uh, we're going to talk tonight about some of our favorites here brought to the table. And starting right off, we're going to start with Paul. Paul, why don't you tell us what film you brought with us to us to talk about tonight? All right. Uh, I picked uh, Seed of Chucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know. I, I'm I'm big on horror, not so big on comedy. So this is kind of fits closer to my genre. Uh, my selection is kind of a bit more dark humor than out and out comedy, but it's probably the only way they'll ever say that it took five grown men to jerk off one plastic puppet. <laughs> You have to know the scene and know the movie to know what I'm yes, referring to. <laughs> uh, but to uh, g- give you an idea of what the movie is about, Brad Dorif uh, returns as the voice of Chucky, that uh, serial killer turned into killer doll. Uh, he is re- uh, resurrected by his son this time, Glenn, uh, who is voiced by Billy Boyd from um, the uh, Lord of the Rings series. Uh, and then uh, Chucky and Tiff basically arrive in Hollywood during this fifth installment of the Child's Play series. And uh, Jennifer Tilly performs a double duty this time around, and she plays both herself and voices uh, Tiff the doll, which is one of my favorite characters uh, in this film. The film also includes uh, John Waters and Redman. <laughs> I don't know if, that, if you guys know those guys. <laughs> Well, the movie contains plenty of references to the horror classics, Halloween, Psycho, and The Shining. There's also a bit of uh, Indiana Jones and Ed Wood thrown in (laughs) because uh, there's a character in there, their son, uh, has kind of a gender 
confusion type thing because he doesn't have he's not anatomically correct and so <laughs> he has the option of becoming Glenn or Glenda which again is an Ed Wood reference uh, so I thought that was kind of humorous and uh, again this is more dark than humor and outright comedy but I do enjoy the film uh, very much and it's one of those films that I would continue to watch over and over again so uh, not as much because of the comedy aspect, um, but you know, I'm I'm more of a big horror fan than a comedy fan. So, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don, have you, you you watched Seed of Chucky, didn't you? I did watch Seed of Chucky for the first time about two hours ago. <laughs> I I own every other uh, uh, every other movie in the series except for some reason I didn't own that one. So uh, after looking for it for days and days and days, I finally broke down and just rented it. Um, <laughs> you know, the the introduction to that movie, all I kept thinking is, really? What the <laughs> hell is really? <sighs> and, 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 and then followed very much by, this is so wrong. <laughs> um well, any it was it was hugely entertaining. I loved all the the bit parts, like you'd mentioned. Uh, uh, well, I'm not so much with the Red Man, but um, <laughs> uh, John Waters yeah. was was brilliant. Um, not just him, Jason Fleming uh, with the small part he had as Santa, and there were a couple of others as well. But those are the two that are really standing out. That it was it was entertaining to see, and of course, you know, Britney Spears gets killed, which is always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very meta movie. I, I really it, liked how meta it was. It really was, and uh, the, at the beginning, one of the uh, one of the what, what the fuck moments was the birthday cake, the big giant pink birthday cake, and the huge knife just stabbed in the top of it. <laughs> because that's what we do for our children's birthday cakes. We we shove a giant knife right in the top of it and and leave it out when we go to bed. <laughs> okay, that's that's my rant. That's your rant, <laughs> Glenn. What about you, Cedar Chucky? Jennifer Tilly. Yes, Jennifer Tilly. That's boobs. it. <laughs> boobs. Boobs. Jennifer Tilly and boobs. And who, had, who had better boobs, Jennifer Tilly or Tiff the doll? Oh, well, that's. Well, someone's boobs are fake. <laughs> I'm gonna let you figure out who's. <laughs> it's a softwood. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't remember lots about the movie because it was. I mean, I I saw it probably almost ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually did a. It would have been probably. I think it would have been what about. Uh, it's about eight years. It was probably about 2007 where we did a Chucky marathon. Oh. I don't know why, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> you say so much with silence, Glenn. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Cole, what about you with Seed of Chucky? Um, Man, you know, I, I surprisingly really like this movie. I saw it uh, the day it came out. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of the series, actually. I think it's sure. pretty consistently a, a good series, p- due in part to the, the fact that the same writer 
is attached to every movie. Um, which says a lot. I mean, it really does. I, I can't name another horror franchise franchise like that. I mean, Wes Craven came back and went in and out of the nightmares, and Sean Cunningham ditto with the, with the Fridays, and uh, you know Don Mancini is pretty much there for every movie. Uh, you know, really, really kind of propelling these things. Um, but I saw it uh, when it. Came out. I should preface this by saying that Bride of Chucky, at least to me at the time and all of my friends, was a really big deal. I mean, it was funny and it was uh, growth and it was entertaining and it, it uh, it's too bad Ronnie you didn't make a, as good of a movie with Freddy versus Jason, but that's neither here nor there. I think Bride of Chucky was really a smashing movie at the time and we probably went back four or five times. So when I went to Seed of Chucky, um, I was a little bit let down I, initially. I didn't think it was as funny or as gory or as smart. Um, and uh, I just, I didn't like it initially. I kind of walked out of the theater and went, meh. You know, I went to, went to the bar and had a drink and, and went home. I wasn't too impressed. But uh, like Glenn, I recently, well, not recently. Glenn didn't do his marathon recently. But I, I did a Chucky marathon not too long ago for our page Horror Roar, not a shameless plug, just uh, literally a few months oh. ago we did a, a, a marathon, um, and we call it, you know, a theme week, where we just do one franchise for the whole week. So I watched every one of them back to back, and I'd owned Seed of Chucky with the box set, never had watched it since the theatrical release, and I really liked it. I was surprised. I couldn't figure out why I hadn't liked it initially. I, I don't think it's, you know, obviously it's not a perfect film. It's far from a fucking classic. But I think Don Mancini, as, as I'm not sure if this is his first time directing. I think it was. Mm -hmm. But he, for sure, everything he did wrong here, he remedied with the, the following sequel, which is Curse of Chucky, which I think is, I still run into fans of Child's Play who haven't seen it. And I highly recommend checking it out because it's it could almost be Child's Play or Child's Play 3. It's almost like uh, back in the vein of the first few where the, the comedy is not so satirical and it, the, the, the overall heart of the film is very cold and sinister. Um, but in terms of Cena Chucky, I, I mean, like Glenn said, it's Jennifer Tilly's show. If you like Jennifer Tilly, I, what better vehicle for Jennifer Tilly exists out there? Aside from maybe Bound, I mean Bound is a great film too, you know, and and definitely is is her movie. But this is like Jennifer Tilly's show, man. If you're a Jennifer Tilly fan, I mean, I you should probably have this poster on your wall because there's no other movie that's gonna really <laughs> give her the spotlight that this does. I mean, this allows her to sort of poke fun at her career and examine her career and. You know, she is a wonderful actress. I think maybe in spite or because of her big boobs, people don't realize how fucking talented she is. The uh, lady can act. I would work with her in a second. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't cast her as a bimbo because I, I do think she has chops. Um, I like the film. I like, you know, I've only seen it twice in my life. But having watched it again recently, you know, I thought it was very witty and funny and probably the weakest of the series, but still uh, definitely a good horror comedy. I think Paul picked a 
fun flick to review. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it too. I always remember the uh, interesting marketing campaign they came up with for <laughs> Seed of Chucky where they actually had the condoms with Seed of Chucky with the movie. That, that was the first time I think I've ever seen a film's name, uh, a mainstream film's name <laughs> on on a pack of condoms. Uh, so that I thought that was interesting. They did some other creative things too with the marketing of this because it had been... It had, yeah. <laughs> Well, it had been a little while between Bride and Seed, I think, wasn't it? A, a, it was. He had a hard time getting it made. I remember Fangoria published like two articles about how it's never going to happen. Seed of Chucky is dead in the water, and he just kept fighting for this thing. Well, yeah, because I, I had remembered, because it was in development hell for quite some time, uh, and because, you know, he really wanted this made, and yeah, the, the uh, video is, uh, the, the film is, is decent, I enjoy it, yeah, cameos, the comedy, uh, Billy Boyd uh, <laughs> in there for the voice of the sun, uh, it's got a little heart to it, uh, you know, on a knife, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was another one of those that uh, he, it was like a, uh, you said it was very meta, which it was. It was self-aware. You know, it was a trend that we saw in some of these uh, later films that were trying to revitalize or bring back the franchise, where they kind of poked fun at themselves, but at the same time were still trying to make a a film that was in a similar vein, but 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 maybe either be lighter or just kind of you know acknowledge the fact that some of it was cheesy, a la like Jason X. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I personally really love, though I know people hate. Oh, I love it too. I, 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 I really enjoy Jason X for that similar thing to where it's yeah. very self-aware and picks on its own tropes. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't mind that because those never feel feel too mean spirited. It, it was them acknowledging that and saying, okay, we're we're going to move on. You know, and so if they make another film after that, usually that film is going to be more serious than say one that they've brought up to revitalize a franchise that had been uh, you know, dead in the water or uh, hadn't had much activity over the years. So, yeah, Seed uh, of Chucky's a lot of fun. Uh, good pick there, Paul. Uh, uh, excellent choice. And we'll move right down. Uh, Glenn, what about your choice for the evening? What We Do in Shadows. Oh, yeah. I, when I saw that you were going to bring that one, I was like, yes, please, please inform our wonderful listeners who may not have known, heard about this film, but shame on you, you should have. Tell us about this film. Uh, well, yeah, it only came out last year. Yeah. Um, there are a trio, well, actually a quartet of vampires uh, that share a house in modern-day New Zealand. Um, this... <laughs> Um, and there's a documentary crew is uh, kind of like filming uh, how they deal with regular life, paying the rent, um, doing the dishes, um, trying to go to nightclubs, and, and, and just general stuff that, that flatmates have to deal with. And, I mean, first of all, I love Jermaine Clement. Um, uh-huh. Flight of the Concords is just... I, I, I love his writing, and uh, I think he well he co-wrote this with uh, I can never pronounce his name right Taika Watiti. Yeah, I, I can never say it right either. Um, I'm horrible with names. And but. and both of them also play uh, two of the vampires. Um, 
<laughs> I just, I absolutely love this movie. It's, it's, it plays on so many different vampire tropes. Um, and just horror tropes in general. Um, I, I love the, the werewolves in this. And I don't want to spoil things because so, so, there's some really great quotable lines out of this movie too. Um, and I love the fact that it wasn't, this, you know, came out of, you know, out of New Zealand. It's, uh, it's not, it's not a big budget, uh, Hollywood flick, but I think what they do with it is great. I mean, I, I love the, the acting of it. I love the, the, the setting, the house is fantastic. And I actually just, I just, I love this movie. I have, I have probably seen it six times. Well, well, even for for it for an independent project, I mean, the special effects in this film are actually really impressive. You don't get a huge amount, but when they do use them, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm I'm impressed. You, you know, some of the scenes and stuff they do in here, especially with the budget they shot this on, really shows you what you can do with. Uh, you know, low-budget cinema or a minimal budget. And in fact, if I remember correctly, they had to do their own Kickstarter campaign to get it distributed anywhere in the U.S. Uh-huh. Uh, they got it to some screens, not a lot. I wish they would have got it to a lot more screens because this is definitely a wide a film that deserves a wide release because I think everybody, I mean, it is a brilliant film. Uh, Paul, you've seen this film, haven't you? I have not. Um, you haven't? Oh. Yes. I'm going to probably be saying that a lot tonight because, again, I'm not a big fan of comedies. Sure, but I'm a sure. big fan of horror. This one is a must-watch. I know you're not a big fan of comedies, but but trust me on this one. And, Glenn, this one is I, I thought was brilliant. Don, you haven't seen this one either, have you? I have not. It was actually yeah. it's on my list to watch, and if I would have known sooner, I would have made a point of watching it. Oh, that, that's that's okay. Uh, just know that it's really good, and you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Cole, have you seen what we do in the shadows? Oh, fuck, man, no. I feel oh. bad. I just, I, I always watch everybody's choices, but I, I found out about Glenn's at like eight, wow. so well, I couldn't. I, I just didn't have time. And oh, uh, Glenn is ninety uh, percent of the time, everything he recommends rocks my world. So I, you know, <laughs> I mean, literally. And for those people listening who haven't liked B Movie Bunker uh, on Facebook, if you're a Facebook guy, check it out because his reviews are astonishing. But I haven't seen it. I, I, I feel this, like shit. This, this is. <laughs> I, like, I don't feel bad. I didn't. I didn't tell anyone what I was doing till like seven fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, it is. It's brilliant. Uh, this was one I have seen on the festival circuit for a long time, and I was really hoping. And I managed to to uh, talk to the uh, the PR folks there, and when they finally said that they were going to distribute it to the U.S., I managed to uh, get a screener. And when I saw it, I thought it was just brilliant. And my wife and I don't exactly have uh, the same tastes in films. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, she has higher tastes than mine. But uh, when I watched this, I, I was like, honey, y- you have to watch this. It was one of those days I was trying to figure out what to watch. She came in a room, I came across it. I'm like, no, sit down and we're going to watch this. And she loved it. This is, a, this is a film, if someone doesn't mind some gore, if you're a horror fan, or if you're just a fan of a good movie. You don't necessarily need to be a horror fan, but if you are a horror fan, you'll catch all the little 
tropes and stuff that they're they're you know they're acknowledging. But even if you're not, I think you'll enjoy this film. This is one that even non you know horror fans I think will enjoy because it's like Christopher Guest doing a vampire film. <laughs> wow. I mean, nice. it, it felt that good. You know, those mockumentaries he's done, you know, uh, just like in that vein of it. And I, from what I read, too, they did an, a good chunk of it. So the script was a bit improv So because they, they do improv comedy, uh, th- these gentlemen, and they do it well. And, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. This is a beautiful choice, Glenn, because it, it's probably one of my favorite modern uh, horror-themed films to come out in a good long while. <laughs> so, is it is it a film that you can watch solo, or is it one that it, it's only funny in a group? Is, no, is... it's funny solo in a group. Uh, you know, while you're laying in bed trying to sleep, nice. it'll keep you awake. But I, I watched it by myself. I was rolling. I mean. Uh, there's characters in here that uh, – try not to spoil it too much for you, but there, let's just say there's a representation of the vampires you've seen in past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a representation of each, each type of vampire in here. And, <laughs> nice. And they work all the angles. And, yeah, I mean there's nothing really scary about it, It's but it's not meant to be a scary film. But it is a horror-themed comedy that uh, – yeah, I, I I think about it now and I'm smiling and trying not to laugh because <laughs> wouldn't you say, Glenn? It's one of those films. Once you watch it, like you said, there's a number of quotable things in it, and it's one of those yes. films you start thinking about. And yeah, and, it, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, just so much, so much good stuff. I mean, the fact that I mean, Jermaine Clement, his vampire. He based off of uh, Gary Oldman in Dracula, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's a brilliant homage to the Gary Oldman in Dracula. Wow, that sounds good, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't checked it out, folks, please put that on your list. If you're doing the 31 Days of Horror, this will count. Trust me. Uh, but yeah, it's it is it's. Uh, it shows you, this is it's one of those reasons why I enjoy indie films and people go well why do you enjoy indie films and go see this movie and this is why I like watching through all these indie films cuz you find <laughs> films like this you know not all of them are going to be like this but <sighs> you do find those films so <laughs> I, see, I see I'm remembering lines from it now that it is so great and I don't want to say them because I don't want to ruin it. So. <laughs> I, I, I know. <laughs> really, it, it is from start to finish this film. Uh, you know, don't don't take it like a, uh, you know, don't go into it expecting anything like a serious horror film, but if you just go yeah. into it looking to be entertained, you will definitely be that. I'm, I'm going to spoil one line. One <laughs> an idea of, what, of the type of movie it is. So this is two of the vampires talking to her, where one of them says, I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. <laughs> Which the other guy says, well, I think of it like this. If you're going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew that no one had fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> and that right... I've never even heard of this film. Yes, and that right there sums up exactly... <laughs> 
<laughs> the film and the type of humor that's in there. Yeah. Uh, there, there is so much, uh, so much dialogue like that, and you have to pay attention too because uh, you might miss it in a conversation. Because I've watched it a couple times, and there are a couple times where I'm like, oh, that's what it, 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 I caught another joke that I might have missed uh, before. <laughs> uh, so yeah, excellent choice. What we do in the shadows, highly recommended. And a, a brilliant choice. And uh, let's uh, go down. We'll go. Uh, we'll do Cole's next. I want to save Dawn's to last. Uh, so, uh, Cole, uh, why don't you tell us which film you brought to the table tonight? Well, it, it was hard. This is. I, I'm so. This is why I love being a part of this group and being in in all of your wonderful people's lives. As you know, it gives me an opportunity to expend all this useless movie knowledge I have. But the horror comedy, I feel, is like such an underappreciated genre, sort of like the vampire western. You know, it really <laughs> just sorry more of these too. movies. I mean, honestly, what's better than like Near Dark or John Carpenter's Vampires? Why don't they do more vampire westerns? And I feel the same way about this genre. Originally, I was going to talk about nothing but trouble. But there was a delay in our episode uh, for understandable reasons, so my mind wandered, and I thought, well, I'll do 2014's Creep. And then my girlfriend said, you know, Cole, that movie's really not that funny. You're just sick. So I, <laughs> I, um, I, I decided to go with a movie I've been watching probably five times a day. I have a broken tailbone for our listeners who... Uh, want to know more than they need to know about me. I've had a broken tailbone. So I've been doing a lot of standing with uh, beer in my hand. And The Burbs is on Netflix. And uh, this is a very special film to me. A little bit of history. Um, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we, you know, I began my life in Madison, Wisconsin, and then we moved to Viroqua, Wisconsin, um, and uh, existed in a farm that was... This is before cell phones, before internet. I mean, I'm not an old codger, but I'm coming up on 37. So when I was a teenager, there was no way to connect with anybody if you lived in the boonies. And um, there was a little video station at a nearby grocery store when back when you had V way back when you had VHS tapes. And Burbs was one of about 30 movies they had, thank God. And I would rent it <laughs> my allowance every Friday and spend the weekend watching it and it it saved my life it really did uh, the humor in it as a kid was just so clicked with me of course in those days you know I connected with Corey Feldman's character because you know he was <laughs> you know I, I wasn't a, a parent yet I didn't have an adult life yet so I kind of watched it through his eyes recently having rediscovered this film with my girlfriend who had never seen it uh, which is such a joy to watch somebody discover a movie that you love so much is really <laughs> it's such a joy. But watching it now, I find myself relating very much with the Tom Hanks character, which, especially living in, in Viroqua, which, uh, not to badmouth any of my neighbors, is a pretty odd town. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of odd people. Uh, you know, and not people who are necessarily, you know, evil or... or uh, demonic, but definitely, you know, maybe you wouldn't trust him alone with your dog. Uh, so I really connect to the idea that you, you, 
you know, your neighbors are doing weird things, and <laughs> you came to, you know, the burbs to sort of relax and maybe uh, live out your uh, later years in comfort, and there are these people who are, uh, well, just to, to summarize the movie, there's, like, loud noises coming out of the basement. Uh, there, Tom Hanks' character, who is the lead her- character, will wake up in the middle of the night to find... Uh, uh, characters dressed like the little uh, dune guys, the little uh, sand dune characters from Star Wars, digging holes in, in their backyard. Uh, and <laughs> at one point they find a femur bone. The dog, the dog brings them over a femur bone, and they're so nonchalant that they're throwing the femur bone like a stick for uh, two or three times before they realize it's, it's a bone, um, which is the type of humor that's all over in this movie. And uh, that's the first half of the movie, and then the latter half of the movie is all of the neighbors sort of rally together to uh, try and figure out whether their neighbors are are literally satanic murderers or whether they're just uh, sort of, you know, pigeon, pigeonholing their neighbors for just being uh, non-social. And... Uh, Man, I'm probably over-philosophizing this. I mean, I'm sure Joe Dante, the director who also did Gremlins and Explorers and lots of great horror comedies, would say, hey, Cole, you're you're reading way too deep into this. Um, (laughs) It's a really goofy, silly horror comedy to me that speaks to the notion of who is crazy, the people who keep away and keep to themselves or the people who want to know way too much about your business, you know. And um, this is a film that I would never want to see remade, but I could see being remade with the notion of Facebook and, uh, you know, social technology and, and the ability to see way more into your neighbor's life than you ever have. I was amazed. I recently applied for an apartment just to have an office space, and my landlord dug up a uh, lease I'd skipped out of when I was 22. So I think the burbs could be done in a very interesting way now where you can find out everything you need to know about your neighbor when maybe they just want to keep to themselves. But all of that, all of that aside, this is a great horror economy, uh, uh, horror comedy. Uh, rest in peace, Rick Duckerman. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Duckerman. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is perhaps his only leading role i mean i've seen him in little bits in like the last boy scout he has about five seconds in that um and i've seen him in random other places i believe he's in groundhog day if i remember right yeah Uh, where i know him uh, predominantly from aside from the birds is his phenomenal stand-up comedy i'm not sure if it's on youtube but man i mean some of the best stand-up comedy i've seen since uh, bill hicks or george carlin the guy has a gift for comedy. It's too bad he didn't go on to other leading roles. But from what I've read on the ever-reliable Wikipedia, uh, he beat out uh, Rick Moranis for this role. And thank God, although I love Rick Moranis, uh, Rick was definitely the guy for this movie. Bruce Dern, um, uh, Carrie Fisher as Tom Hanks's wife. All of their dialogue was improvised. Um, I could go on and on and on. I love this movie. It's funny as shit we i've watched it multiple times every day for i don't know two three weeks i I just and i never get sick of it (laughs) i 
know that it is a decent film. Uh, you know, there's there are a lot of great names in it. And, uh, Don, what about you with this film? I haven't seen this movie in forever, but I remember liking it a lot. I remember this was the first time I realized that Carrie. Seeing this film was the first time I realized that um, Carrie Fisher was not only Princess Leia. It was a big deal for me um, because you know it was she was Princess Leia. That was it. She couldn't possibly be anybody else. Um, and Bruce Dern, I remember loving, loving what he did with that character. Yeah. He is probably the most memorable character out of that whole movie for me, bar none. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern was great. I, I tried to catch any movie that he was in because he was just one of those that would crop up in a lot of places, uh, especially in the, uh, you know, around that time. And, uh, yeah, this was 89, so as far as, uh, uh, you know, as far as Carrie Fisher goes, you know, you had uh, Return of the Jedi, which had come out in 83, and that's what most people remember her as, though she was also in The Man with One Red Shoe. So she she did make a some, number of appearances, but of course, yeah, everybody recognized her as Princess Leia. So yeah, this is one of the ones I remember watching and going, Hey, that's Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah, and, and I knew. I mean, I knew she was in uh, Blues Brothers because yeah, that was well, obviously yeah. prior to this. But still, you know, it, it's Princess Leia. It, it's Princess Leia, and she's she's talking to Tom Hanks. What the heck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Glenn in the Burbs. Uh, I want to kill everyone. Satan is uh, Satan is your pal. <laughs> 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 I when this was on HBO, I probably watched it seven thousand times. <laughs> well, it was shown on HBO about seven thousand times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I love this movie. I think it is, I think it's highly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. And it's it's a segment. I mean, people people look at Tom Hanks now, and you know Tom Hanks makes these you know these amazing serious movies, and you know he goes on space shuttles and he gets trapped in airports and whatnot. But you know he really, I mean, he cut his teeth doing comedy, and a lot of a lot of his comedy is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's I don't think he has done much that's really bad. It's just he's he did a lot of kind of average 80s comedies, but this one I just loved. It uh, it was kind of a... I don't know how to... I mean, and I, I think a big part was, is, was the cast that was around him, too. Um, Tom Hanks does that kind of stressed... Uh, you know, like, oh, just, just done with everything kind of funny. He does that really well. Yeah. Um, like, the, at the end where he's, you know, that, take me to the hospital! <laughs> The hospital. Um, and yeah, and, and Bruce Dern and, and Rick Dukeman, and I mean, uh, yeah, Corey Feldman in here too, if I remember right. Yep, there's yeah. Corey, Corey Feldman. So, and Henry Gibson um, as as the, the as the neighbor who I I have loved him since I saw him as uh, an Illinois Nazi in Blues Brothers. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, the guy's just, and he's been in like 78 million different things. Yeah. Um, 
And the dog from Silence of the Lambs, actually. (laughs) 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 Also uh, making an appearance in this film is Dick Miller and Robert Picardo. Uh, You get a couple. You get a couple other. uh, They played the garbage men. Yeah. They were originally meant to be discovered in the trunk at the end, Uh, but. You know, they shot about a dozen different endings because in the original ending, Tom Hanks dies. That's the ending is you believe they're innocent. They've finally gotten off. Tom Hanks has stood up for him. He said, look, we're the psychos. He climbs into the ambulance, and the whole family is there, and they all turn to him and go, time to go. And the ambulance drives off, and that's your fucking ending. But, of course, when Tom Hanks was cast, the studio said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you can't do that. So they shot about a dozen different endings, but one of the endings was uh, Dick Miller and uh, the other, I forget the actor's name. Robert Picardo. Yes. uh, They were supposed to be in the trunk, which I think would have been great. Um, But when the studio makes you change your ending, I mean, how do you stay true to yourself? You do, you know, what you can do. Yeah, it, it, it is such a fun film. Paul, what about you? Any thoughts with this film? Uh, I just have to say that whenever Cole describes a movie, I always want to watch it. Because, <laughs> my God, I've not, I've, I, I never wanted to watch this movie until now. So I'm going to watch this movie. You've forgiven me for my rant against Silent Hill Revelation. So. <laughs> that was so fun. It was still good. It was still good. I, I felt like such an asshole that night. <laughs> but uh, well, your rant about Silent Hill Revelation still made me want to watch that movie because it was my pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, Paul, you make a good point. It's exactly what Cole mentioned, and I think uh, Don and, and Glenn both kind of reinforced is this is kind of that under-the-radar film that came out and went, uh, and people kind of forget that's out there, but there's some brilliant cast. There's a great script. It, it plays off of... Uh, I mean, we're talking late 80s here, 89, so the whole suburbia thing. We've covered this in our other films, especially when we're doing the uh, 25th anniversary films, where the yuppie and the suburbanites are kind of uh, demonized in a lot of films or, or you know, made you know not to be pleasant people. So here we have a film that's basically taking your paranoid neighbors who uh, are, you know, uh, have were popular back then, a popular subject in the suburbs, nosy neighbors and that. It it plays off of that and off of those uh, paranoias that you've heard or maybe even experienced in your own home with uh, those neighbors who uh, are wondering about that strange family down at the end of the block. And it just amps it up and it, it plays off of those things that are, especially back then, were very common in culture at that time as far as uh, discussion topics. So The Burbs is definitely one you should check out. If you're a Joe Dante fan, if you're just looking for a fun horror comedy, I think it still stands the test of time, like uh, a number of horror comedies, uh, you know, because they don't have a huge amount of special effects. But what they do in there, I think, stands the test of time and are just a lot of fun. So uh, The Burbs, check it out if you haven't yet. And now to Dawn. I wanted to leave Dawn to last uh, because she told me what she was going to bring to the table. And and please, by all means, Dawn, uh, tell us uh, what film you brought us tonight. 
So, in 1978, mysterious attacks of uh, allegedly committed by the formerly peaceful tomato have erupted into a full-blown war on humanity. A special task uh, force uh, of experts uh, in their respective fields is led by Mason Dixon, and form, uh, which was formed by, by the government to put a stop to the attack of the killer tomatoes. <laughs> oh, this I... movie is so seventies. <laughs> Oh, I have not seen... I, I love this movie. This is a movie um, my son and I would watch routinely together. I watch this every year. It is it is outrageous. It is um, avocado green. <laughs> and it's a musical. Yes. You get some wonderful musical numbers in here. Sorry, I'm going to start singing a, the theme song in a minute. So, uh, <laughs> go on, Don, please. Um, there's we talked about uh, Seed of Chucky being meta, um, but this this one is it, it's got so much packed into it. From nods to you have nods to Superman to uh, the Olympics. Um, <laughs> Oh God! You got nods to. Oh God! Was it the the uh, the the whole Godzilla Japanese movies? The kaiju. That, that whole yeah, the whole kaiju. You've got nods to everything and the dry humor. There's so much going on the in the background of every single scene. There's something happening that you really have to watch every detail on this. I just I I I love this movie and it is very very 1970s and it, it it's kind of painfully 1970s <laughs> and it is so avocado green <laughs> and uh paul what about you you see have you watched attack i of the saw killer the tomatoes? sequel the return of the killer tomatoes oh, I, haven't you haven't seen the original? I haven't oh. seen the original no but i do remember that uh elvira mistress of the dark had had uh, had hosted an episode of this. But that I never was got to watch it. that was my first experience of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Was thanks to the lovely and ever you know uh, fantastic Elvira. Was <laughs> the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. We used to watch it all the time, late nights. Uh, you, you they turn her you know turn on the show and she played this. And that was the first time I saw it. And after I saw it, I wanted to watch the non-Elvira version though. The, not, the Elvira version was always entertaining, but again, at the age that I was at. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I remember, I just love, this film is so whacked. Uh, and it, this this was one of those that uh, was uh, one of those first, for me, lo, uh, introductions to low-budget independent film. Because this was a low-budget independent film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I I loved it. it just for all the references, and yeah, even though it's '78, you could find a lot of humor in it even today. Uh, Glenn, what about you with Attack? I love Attack. Mm -hmm. um, I remember seeing this. I don't know which horror host I saw it with. It may have been with Toulouse No Neck. Um, on Shock Theater, I can't remember, but I remember seeing it on a Saturday afternoon the first time, 
and I thought it was ridiculous and stupid and moronic, and I loved it. <laughs> um, and I also love the fact that it spawned a sequel. Yeah. It spawned three sequels. <laughs> well, yeah. But there's only one that really counts, and that's the one for <laughs> Clooney. Yeah. <so. laughs> yes, you heard uh, that right, folks. <laughs> George Clooney. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, just, I mean, if if I had, if, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, if I had thought, if, if I had the technology that I have now back then, I would have immediately gone out and made my own movie after mm-hmm. watching this. Because it just, it just made me feel like, like heck, anyone can make a movie. Because they made this thing. And it's still <laughs> fun. Well, it's still fun. So, I don't know. It just, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to make a fun bad. I mean, they did not set out to make a good movie. I mean, they weren't, I mean, to make a movie that, you know, was to be taken seriously and, and stuff like that. And it's hard to do a movie that is made to be this kind of cheap looking. I mean, I know it was made cheap as well, but I mean, just this kind of, you know, ridiculous off the wall nonsense film and to do it where it's still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, you don't have to look any further than, you know, the 99 of 100 times that Asylum fails at doing exactly this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's one of those films that all these modern films really wish they could be, but they can't because they just don't have that heart and that, yeah, it, it was made by people who had a 35-millimeter camera and wanted to shoot a movie, and their budget was uh, well. Actually, it was pretty high for for the film of this nature, which is ninety thousand. Though, according to some trivia, sixty thousand of that was due to the fact of an inadvertent accident with a helicopter scene, which oh. they ad libbed and turned into and worked into the film. Holy crap! It's a director's cut. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's a director's cut, but apparently, according to, to uh, according to some trivia, is that yeah, the helicopter uh, crashed, and so they quickly got the actors together and they set the wreckage on fire and did an ad lib scene for that. Nice, <laughs> because uh, I guess some crew members nearly got hit with debris. Uh, but yeah, this film is just so wild. Ah, uh, I, I love all the aspects of it. It, it. Yeah, by no means should be taken as a, a serious film, but you got to respect the stuff they were doing in here, don't you, Cole? Oh, yeah. I actually, um, when Don mentioned this, I was embarrassed to think, well, I, I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. And then I, I went back and rewatched it, and I, I had seen it, in fact, we had it. I'm not sure if it was on Betamax, but it was on one of those oversized, huge cases they used to make. Yes, mm-hmm. you guys remember those? Like it, <laughs> oh, yeah. was, it was like a huge, fat case, and um, I yeah, I liked it a lot, and I agree with what Glenn said. Like the technology had been around. I mean, I may have not have had this reaction to this movie specifically, but. Say, you know, if, if when I'd seen the stuff, I was able to film a movie with my cell phone, 
you know, I would have gone out and do, done something like that. You know, this is that type of movie. It, it feels um, very tongue-in-cheek, but it has heart, and it's also – it's smart. I mean, to make a movie a good movie that's technically adept, you've got to have concentration, man. You've got to mm -hmm. have some finesse. You really do, and th this movie has that. It has all those things, and it's also fucking funny. <laughs> and uh, I like it. I, I liked it a lot. To be honest, uh, our computer was freezing that night, so it wasn't the most enjoyable watch for me. You know, mm -hmm. just what happens when you don't buy a movie, when you watch something online, you can't yeah. complain when uh, computer freezes. But I, I I liked it, and I'm going to actually add it to my collection. I'm hoping there's a two-pack with this and return out there somewhere. You know, that'd be awesome. There's so many great moments in this, and there's a, a song that just is going to be ear-piercing, but it's supposed to be ear-piercing. It makes fun of the 70s songs, even, <laughs> in, in oh, this yeah. film, with Puberty Love, which is a great wow. title in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite scenes in Killer Tomatoes, they do play off a lot of the classic like uh, late 50s, 60, early 60s monster films yes! as well with this. Yeah. And they, they, they parody that fairly well. One of the best ones is they're doing a montage thing about the threat of the tomatoes. And it's great because they well, the tomatoes roll and they make this noise like... Yeah, 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 yeah. But my favorite scene is still, they're doing this whole montage, and tomatoes are running rampant, and it's in the culture now. Everybody's aware of these killer tomatoes. They've got a, I think it's a library full of people, or a cafeteria, it's and a the library. one guy just looks up, and uh, it's what? I'm sorry. It's a library. Library. And the one guy just looks up and goes, tomato. And everybody runs screaming <laughs> out of the building. I, I just, I, that scene, I always I always enjoyed that scene so much, uh, just because of the way it was directed. But yeah, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, don't let the fact that it was made in 78 turn you away from this film. Uh, <laughs> you were saying, Glenn? Oh, I was just singing the song. Attack! Uh, oh. Of the killer tomatoes, attack of the killer tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, you, how can you go wrong with a theme song like that? <laughs> Any other thoughts on Killer Tomatoes, Don? Besides uh, that, it rocks. Oh. It's awesome. It's okay. yeah, and and the second one is definitely worthwhile. I rem after I saw the second one, the one with George Clooney, I wanted a fuzzy tomato so bad. Oh. I wanted a fuzzy tomato. Yes. I wanted my own little FP. Uh, uh, yeah. No, but it it is. It's it's brilliant. And uh, it was after this, two years after this, 1980, that airplane came out. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know wow. how many seriously parody movies came out before Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but I know the go-to one came two years after this. Wow. Yeah, it, actually, the, there weren't a huge amount. If they were, they weren't nearly as popular, I think, as this one. Uh, this one definitely uh, brought it to the forefront, yeah, and, and then followed up afterwards with Airplane, which actually had a similar energy to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes quite a bit to where uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is like a, a, a number of skits or concepts that, that are all related, but they're, they're put together, all these short 
really funny scenes and, and airplanes similar. I mean, you got an arcing story, but if you look at the way it's shot, it's shot in, in bits. Uh, and uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, at least to me, felt similar to that in, uh, in a good way. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I wanted to leave yours to last, because this one is a special place in my heart. I remember first seeing it as a kid on Elvira, Mistress of the Dark show, and I watched it many times afterwards. Uh, so great choices by everyone. And uh, I guess I'm the only one left here tonight, so I'm going to bring up a film I may have brought up before in the spoiler room, and I do apologize, folks, but when this came up, I was trying to decide, oh, what am I going to pick, what am I going to pick? And I ended up choosing the, uh, the Raven, the original the Raven. Well, not the original original, but uh, the 1963 film, The Raven, directed by Mr. Roger Corman himself. And it's about a magician who has uh, basically turned into a raven. And he visits a fellow magician to help one get himself uh, turned back and also help that f uh, former magician who he says... Uh, how he got turned into the castle he's at is the uh, holding the soul or the ghost of the lost Lenore. Yes, it is based loosely off the Edgar Allan Poe uh, poem, and I do mention loosely, uh, though they do uh, mention you know read part of it in the beginning. And this film, I can't recommend this film enough to people. Don't let the fact that it came from '63 turn you away from it. Roger Corman directing this cast of Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, Boris Karloff, Hazel Court, Jack Nicholson in this film. A young, young Jack Nicholson in this film. Oh, this, this film is so brilliant on, on comedic levels, folks. This is one of those where it is funny, it's poking fun at the monster films, but at the same time, it's its own movie, and from start to finish. I mean, Vincent Price is just brilliant in it. And then you enter in Peter Lorre and the scenes with those two. And then you get Boris Karloff mixed in there. And I could just watch those scenes all day. It's just such a classic and such really well-directed film. I... I love this film, if you can't tell, and, and I, it, it must be seen by you if you're a fan at all of any of these performers of Roger Corman or just classic horror films because it, it's oh, from start to finish. I, I really have very, if not any problems with it at all. Uh, Glenn, The Raven? I saw this, I don't know how many years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I would have to visit again because I barely remember anything in it. I remember sure. Peter Lorre, who I I love Peter Lorre, um, <laughs> but it's been a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, I just added it to my list of films to track down. Yeah, it, it's a little tough to track down. It came out on a Midnight Madness DVD uh, double feature along with, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Comedy of Horrors, or uh, I comedy forgot what. Comedy of Terrors. Terrors, thank you. I always call it Comedy of Horrors, but Comedy of Terrors. It's a great DVD. It's out of print now, I think. My wife got me a copy of it for a present, uh, but the DVD's out of print. But yeah, this film is just so 
Excellent. On so many levels. Uh, Cole, what about you? The Raven, have you seen it? Oh, man, no. It's two strikes tonight. <laughs> I okay. have not. I have oh. not. And, and I, I definitely... It's not because of some prejudice for old movies. My black and white uh, collection, you know, my collection of movies before 1970 is huge. Uh, I mean, literally big. But I've just, I've never even heard it mentioned. I, I, no, it, and, and that's the thing is it is one of those films that kind of people kind of forgot. But, you know, with this cast, how could you? But it does kind of get lost in the shuffle a bit. Uh, and it was shot in color, uh, but it oh, oh it was yeah oh, this sorry. this was shot in color, and uh, just the delivery Peter it's Peter Laurie alone as Glenn mentioned it it's worth it for Peter Laurie alone he's brilliant in here and then playing off of the classic Vincent and Boris oh man uh, some of this dialogue in here just sticks with you uh, Paul have you seen the Raven <laughs> I'm I'm batting zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry about that. I'm hitting the video uh, store after this. <laughs> video store to go like, wow, we got the most business we've ever gotten for quite some time. <laughs> Don, tell me uh, how you oh, feel. Oh God, I love this movie. This yes. is this too is one of my favorite horror comedies ever. I I remember the first time I saw this, and I was completely enchanted by it. Um, it 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 reminded me so much of the Hammer films. Um, well, and it, it was supposed to be a send-up to the Hammer films a bit, too. I mean, you I, can tell I from the style. I believe so. Um, but I, it's my understanding that Jack Nicholson and Peter Lorre kept ad-libbing their lines, <laughs> which makes it even, even the more awesome because, I mean... Jack Nicholson, this was fairly early in his career, and he was already that comfortable with comedy and horror to be able to ad-lib this. And it was it was Jack Nicholson in tights, for God's sakes. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> i got to see this. It's, it's just wonderful. I Vincent Price, I, I'm, I'm sputtering because... It, there's so many thoughts. It was it was brilliant. It was comedic. It was I I thought it was going to be more serious, and it it was absolutely a romp. And, and that's what the thing is. I think a lot of people go into this film. You look at this group of actors, and you're thinking it's going to be more serious. I mean, you've got Vincent Price, who was, you know, the horror guy. And Peter Lorre, who was, you know, in a, a number of genre films and such, playing kind of a, a, a bad guy or, you know, a seedy guy, and, and the classic Karloff in here. So you're thinking, okay, you know, and even the, the, the talented Hazel Court in here playing Lenore, uh, you know, you're like, okay, it's going to be a series. And then you get in here, and it's just – and it starts off kind of moody, like your late 60s horror – you know, or, or early 60s horror film, you know, like you're okay – and then Peter Laurie shows up, and it just it just takes this wild ride from there. I mean, he's got so many great lines in here. One of my favorite lines in here is is he's uh, I'm trying not to spoil too much, but I have to share because it's one of my all time favorite lines, and I use it randomly in life. It's one of those quotes I just spout out. But he's taking on basically Peter Laurie's decided to get his revenge, and he's taking on 
the magician that uh, turned him into a raven, and uh, they're kind of going back and forth, and he drops the line, you're defending yourself, you coward. <laughs> and for me, I just love how that rolls off. I'm like, you're defending yourself, you coward. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson is, is hilarious, a young Jack Nicholson in here, uh, playing kind of the straight man. It <laughs> sort of man, his gift for comedy. I remember the original version of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. He played uh, like a five-minute scene where he's getting his teeth drilled, but he's addicted to the pain. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it, it, that is a must-see scene. Um, his gift for comedy goes deep, man. He always got it. I mean, it wasn't just, it didn't just start at The Shining. Obviously, I haven't seen the movie you guys are talking about, but I still have my original little black and white little shop of horrors on VHS, and I watch it frequently, and Jack Nicholson's scene in that is invaluable. He is... He's into it, man. He he's got he's got a deep understanding of uh, what it is to be horrific and comedic simultaneously. Well, and the sets too, Don. Wouldn't you say that the sets are actually really impressive? They're they're yeah. huge, sweeping gothic vistas. Yeah, they're grandiose, very much so. Um, but uh. uh Going back to Peter Lorre and Jack Nicholson, or Peter Lorre and Jack Nicholson improvising, um, I just wanted to mention that their characters are father and son. Wow. Yes. Uh, for the people who haven't don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, they do play father and son, and and uh, Jack Nicholson plays kind of a, 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 a not let's say not necessarily a manly man in this in this role. <laughs> He's, he's he's kind a of a dandy. he's a dandy he's a mama's boy kind of, uh, and this was, script was written by the same uh, guy who wrote the comedy of terrors, uh, so and he'd go on he wrote a lot of TV uh, shows uh, scripts but he would also go on to do feature films later on in the eighties he wrote the screenplay same guy who wrote the screenplay for this wrote the screenplay for Jaws 3D uh, and uh, loose cannons stir of echoes. Uh, Richard Matheson wrote the uh, screenplay for The Raven, and it is it is uh, it's one of those where you you should watch it uh, just for this cast alone. I mean, it's not often you get a film with a cast with this many memorable performers, and each one isn't trying to outdo the other. Which is what I liked about it as well. You know, I mean, you could get some of these ensemble casts like that. And you always feel like one's trying to kind of stand out over the others. But uh, in this one, I never felt like there was any real competition. Everybody fe- felt like they were behind the film and just having fun with it. Wouldn't you say, Don? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I know that. Yeah, absolutely. There, there was definitely a lot of fun had in this. I, I, in I know. This movie. Car- Karloff didn't quite like the improv because he was more of a script guy, but... Uh, I, I think, too, he was having a lot of issues and pain at, with pain at about that time in his life. He was struggling even with walking. Yeah, he was. He was having some health issues, so a lot of the scenes in this film, uh, he's actually sitting down 
in it, and it it wasn't just uh, it was actually a real life health thing he was having, but he still he still finished it out, you know. Uh, but uh, Corman really bringing it with this film, and uh, it's just fun. It's not what you expect at all from when you see this cast or the uh, subject matter, but. Yeah, so that's my choice is The Raven. Uh, I had headed back to, to really old school, uh, but for me, that's one of those I continually watch and continually enjoy, and one of those where I say all the lines with the film people, and it's still a lot of fun. And I think uh, other people will enjoy it too, especially if you're a fan of any of these actors. So that's about wrapping up. Uh, shows you that you can have laughs along with scares this October. Hope we gave you a list of films that you will head to your video store like our uh, own Paul here will do to uh, check out. I uh, hope you enjoyed the listen. We're going to go down real quick, as we always do here on the Spoiler Room, and give our Spoiler Room crew a chance to tell us a little bit about where you can find their stuff when they're not on here. Go ahead, Cole. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, sorry for my broken tailbone. I'm on some painkillers, so I apologize if I wasn't as articulate as I normally am. You can find me on Facebook right now. Horror Roar is uh, where I post my fan art. My production company's page is Shadows and Lovers Productions. Also on Facebook, we've got a Fairly significant movie coming out, significant in that it took four years to make, and it's a complete labor, labor of love made on very little money, but the quality is high. Also, if you just want to talk movies and um, you're not a complete psycho, feel free to just find Paul <laughs> Meredith uh, and friend me, because I, I love to talk movies, and uh, once again, please visit uh, the pages that everybody else here talks about because these guys know a lot about movies and unlike the majority of propaganda you'll find on the internet these people actually love movies Don and Glenn and Paul and Mark are in love with movies and they're not gonna hate just because uh, they wanna hate so. <laughs> well, thank, thank you Paul uh, Cole, excuse me, uh, thinking Paul. I'm thinking of Paul. I'm looking at him. So, uh, thank you, Cole. <laughs> and uh, Don, go ahead. You can find me uh, in the audience.net. Fantastic. Some great reviews. She's got some new stuff on there, so check it out. And uh, Glenn, go ahead. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Naked Hobo Productions, and the B Movie Bunker, or just follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. Yes, the man is a reviewing beast this month. Make sure you check it out. He's doing 31 Days of Horror, and he's posting reviews of the films he's watching. So you best check it out because that man is just a reviewing beast this month. And then uh, next to him, Paul, go ahead. Tell us where we can find you at. You can find me at Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress at Forsaken Film Reviews. Fantastic. And as always, you can find their links on SpecialMarkProductions.com where you can find my stuff as well, as well as the archive of the Spoiler Room. You can find some of the other videos I do for some of the other sites, some great interviews that we got, which I hope to get more of before the end of the year. Speaking of, if you're a horror fan and you're in Wisconsin area, check out the Mad Town Horror Film Festival that is coming up in uh October 24th and 25th, 
I was a judge for it. I will be there. Uh, some of our spoiler room crew may be there, so you can check it out. Some great indie horror. Uh, so uh, if you're in the area, please come and help support some independent horror. Check out specialmarkproductions.com, and you can find us at Twitter on Spoiler Room PDCS. So that's P is in Paul, D is in David, C is in Cat, S is in Sam. I couldn't make it any more complicated, but Spoiler Room Podcast, basically PDCS. Uh, at there on the Twitter and also the email uh, spoilerroom.smp at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to us talk tonight about horror comedies. Please make sure you comment and tip your waitresses. And until next time, remember with the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but the movies are definitely spoiled. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack! <laughs>